Luke chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Meanwhile, the crowds grew in thousands, were milling about, stepping on each other, and Jesus turned to his disciples. Those that are fully bought in, sold out for Jesus Christ, he turns to the disciples and starts talking to them, saying, hey, you guys are the ones that are are called and are gonna follow and do my work when I'm gone. He says this, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and their hypocrisy, I can't even say it, hypocrisy. I can't say it because I'm not one. Right. I'm the biggest one in the church. The time is coming when everything was covered up will be revealed. There's a time when what's hidden is going to be uncovered. That's what it says. And that secret will be made known to all. Whatever you said in the dark will be heard in the light. That is really scary. And then it says, and you will have what you whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops. The first series or first sermon was beware of hypocrisy because Christians aren't saved from hypocrisy. We're just saved and we're still hypocrites. First, first message, hypocrisy. Last week, dear friends, now Jesus is speaking directly to those bought in, those saved by Jesus, those that are in the kingdom of God and saying, I'm sold out, I'm going to follow you till death do us part. He says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do anything more after that. Why? You're dead. But he says, but I tell you whom to fear, fear God. Fear God who has the power to kill you and throw you into hell. The word is Guiana. And he says, yes, he is the one to fear. And then he gets very personal. He talks about what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Rhetorical question. Yet doesn't, God does not forget a single one of the sparrows. We do, but God doesn't. And his very hairs are, and the very hairs on your head are numbered. It says redheads had less, blondes always have more fun, they have more. Boo. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. For you are more valuable than a flock of sparrows. And last week we talked about fear God and don't fear persecution. Or fear the God that can send us to Guiana or Valley of Himnon which was this smelly, stinky place. If you missed last week's message or the week before, you can catch up and hear it on podcast or online. And here where we stand today, and here's where Jesus wants to start speaking truth into your life. He says, I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. We're gonna read that at the end of the sermon and how that works. But anyone who denies me here on earth will also be denied in the, in, before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. The high schoolers this week were talking about this topic and we'll dig into that. And when you are brought before trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you that uh, at the time of need what you need to say. Kind of jack that last part up and we'll talk about that today as well. I want you guys all to stand. Jack Hayford died last week, 
And the first week we did this in prayer. So I'm going to put up a clock. My friend's going to put up a clock. And here's the, if you're scared, just sit there and bow your head and act like you know what you're doing. But we're going to pray right now. Pray for yourself to hear the voice of God. Pray for you to be transformed or reach out and pray for someone else. Go. Pray for an anointing here. Pray for the lack of resistance. Pray for the spirit of rejection to be released. Pray for transformation. Pray for salvation. Pray for your glory. Pray for understanding. Pray that you hear the voice from above. Take us, Lord. Father, we submit this time to you. We hear those prayers. Lord, hear our prayer. For those that didn't know what to say, Lord, give them a prayer. Give them a voice to hear from heaven. Father, I ask that there's a new wine, there's a new ministry, and that people are coming to know you and understand that they're here to give, not just receive. And we ask that the spirit of rejection and the stuff that's blocking us today is washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks and be seated. We're trying to do things differently here. We can't keep doing church the same. We've got to come to church prepared. If the church is just me filled in the spirit or Tara or Jeremy or Kim, then we're missing out. All of us have to pray and be filled in the spirit so that we can hear the voice of God. There's this guy named David Wilkerson. I don't know if you know him or not, but he created Teen Challenge. We have a beautiful program in Ojai, and he came up with this quote, and really this is what I want you to soak in today. Here's what it says. Teen Challenge, unbelievable program. It's powerful. It changes lives. It's transformative. Here's what he says. He says, God uses people. Listen, God uses me and uses you, and he's going to use you in church and outside of church. He's going to use you in school and outside of school. He's going to use you at work. He's going to use you after service. He's using you in service. God uses people. And here's what he continues to say. God uses people to do what? Perform his work. God uses people to be the hands and feet of the kingdom of God. That's you. That's me. That's how I got up here. And then he says, he does not send angels. Angels weep over it, but God does not use angels to accomplish his purpose. Here's what he uses. He uses burdened, brokenhearted, weeping men and women. That's where we stand today. This is who God is using. This is it. And it started with 12 that were bought in, sold out. 
And today, a couple thousand years later, we're still celebrating that same Jesus Christ that died and rose again. Today we're going to talk about the fear of confessing Christ. Some are really good. But when you start thinking about, oh, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus, there's this concept of rejection. And I had that. I was confessing it this morning. I, I feel like rejection is a big part of life. And, you know, I, I, I think it kind of played out on Friday in my life where my rejection, my pain, my hurt from the last year, I kind of spilled out into someone else's lap. And I had to kind of bring that to fruition Friday night, Saturday of like, man, my hurt and my rejection is impacting other people on staff and my house and in church. And I had to confess and, and bring to light. And I was having a conversation with Tara and just like trying to understand where I can be better and how I can change because the fear of rejection is powerful. So today we're going to talk about, here's four uh, places of, of fear that we're going to talk about today, but it all leads to this one rejection. The fear of confessing Christ. Ours is going to say, experiences bring us to that place of paralysis. I had this experience. When I was in third and fourth grade, uh, my mom took me to the doctor because of my reading, but they didn't know dyslexia. We had no term for it. They thought it was weak eye muscles. That's what they thought it was. My best friend was the best reader in the class and I'd sit next to him and guess who was the worst reader in the class? Because I have dyslexia and the words jump and I go from the first line which is perfect to the second line that's falling flat and I'm twisting words back and forth. There was an Easter service, our last one at the Boys and Girls Club. I got up and was reading like I did today and it was so bad I just stopped and go, you guys finish reading and I'll just sit here for a second. And actually someone came, my friend Dorn says, man, that was the most imperfect service. I'm going to stay. And I'm like, really? I would be gone. But that, that embarrassing place of reading had a huge impact on me. And God and his, do you guys know God has a sense of humor? You know what I do for a living? I read the holiest of things to read in front of everybody all week and I have to memorize them and tap my foot and try and be on key so that I don't forget. And I read this like 56 times so that I'd only jack it up a little bit, not a lot. Because that's how God works. So the first part is we see our, our past creates this place of rejection. The second part is if we have a greater level of anxiety or struggle with depression or loneliness or self-criticism or poor self-esteem, that also has a greater impact. And instantly we're wounded and we feel rejected because we already have other things outside, uh, other things outside that create this wound. So the world doesn't really have great solutions. You could go to a counselor and you can do it, but if the counselor's not preaching from the Bible and doesn't know the text, they're gonna give you some tools, but the only thing that can really wash that fear of rejection away is go to the manufacturer. And that manufacturer is God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And we go to the manufacturer and we tell them, hey, I need help, and there's this fear of rejection that's washed free. The only solution is then understand and identify the spiritual condition that I'm in so that I can walk through it. And look, how is this affecting my life? Again, I had some rejection in my life, a lot, but even this last year, and I lash out and, and hurt other people, not because I want to, but because I'm rejected and I have fear and I'm protecting myself. And I was having this conversation with Terrence, she's like, you talk about protecting it's like yeah because I'm in fear and the rejection hurts so we lash out 
It has great impact. So here's some of the things we need to look at. The first one is when we're looking at this spiritual condition, do you have this need for acceptance? I got a, not an exhaustive list, but here's a list. A need for acceptance. Yeah, I want to be accepted. I want to be in the, I, I want to be a part of. And so Jeremy said it so graciously, join a community group and I promise you will start feeling accepted into journey, into church, and more importantly, into the kingdom of God. Second, feel love. I've always, I had great parents. God, God was so gracious to me, he gave me two sets of parents because I'm special. But I've always had this love. My parents loved me, but even that, there was still this hunt for uh, this love that was in my heart, and so I needed to be loved, and it only can come from God. How about being alone? I hated being alone until recently. Last five years, I've learned to be comfortable and quiet in my skin and, and, and understand that, but be not being alone. How about being in the cool crowd? Listen, boys and girls, I don't know if you guys know who I was in high school, but today, no matter what I was in high school, I'm in the in crowd right now because I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Cheers to that. This isn't that new wine Tara was talking about. <laughs> How about the need to be heard? Man, I, I could, I'm supposed to say something in 30 seconds and it takes me ah, three to five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes to say something I could say in 30 seconds. That's just who I am. And uh, there was this moment when I was at my old church where I needed to have this conversation. I'm like, guys, just give me five, 10 to 15 minutes. And I started telling them. And after about 10 minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Sometimes when we're heard, we have this opportunity, but there's a lot of us that need to be heard. How about a need for significance? There's got to be more to life. I've got to have more value. How about not feeling worthy? You know how many people in this church would say, I'm not worthy of God's love? And if you're here today, if you're here online, don't reject that. God's love is powerful. There's, we got to walk away from that rejection. That spirit that's holding you back, that's a spirit of fear. That's not a spirit of God. And the last one is condemnation. There's no condemnation, Romans 8, right? There's no condemnation, but we believe in it. We live in it because our spiritual condition is fallen. And unless we put God in, we have that. We do all sorts of things to kind of mask this fear. We look for attention. Anybody do things to get attention? We look for attention. We post, we go, and we do all these things for attention. And all that does is mask our condition. And the only real solution is come before God, lay everything at the foot of the cross, and, and just say, I'm bought in, I'm sold out, and Jesus, you got me. In early November last, week, uh, last year, we were doing this uh, book study uh, through Timothy, Fighting the Good Fight. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but here's what it says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. I add the Holy Spirit because he's giving us a spirit that is not of fear and timidity, but of one of power and one of great love and one that brings you into the kingdom of God so then you can be self-disciplined to do the work of God. And I can just hear my sister. Do you ever have that person in your head just kind of chirping in your ear a little bit? I can hear my sister say this, that rejection is a work of the enemy. Do you guys realize that? You know, my sister was talking about it to me this week. It's like, rejection is the work of the enemy that leads us to this orphaned spirit. You know what an orphaned spirit is? If you know someone that's ever been an orphan or uh, never really got adopted and they kind of age out of the system and they walk in this world like nobody really loves me, not even my parents. How could God love me? They feel abandoned, not connected. And there's always this little eeping question is why does nobody, why did they leave me? And you know what? 
that fear and that rejection and that spirit is not of God because we have a Holy Spirit that adopts us into the kingdom of God and makes us whole and accepts us and, and, and helps us so that we're not rejected but we're loved by Jesus Christ. So today we begin talking about the fear of confessing Christ. Man, I don't want to talk about Jesus because somebody's going to reject me and say no. I'm so afraid of preaching Christ because man is going to say no, but that's not the audience we're preaching to. Here's what it says. We already read it today. Uh, chapter, uh, Luke 12, 8. I tell you the truth. Jesus is now preaching truth to us, and he says this. Anyone who acknowledges, maybe your translation says, confesses me publicly on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge you in the presence of God's angels. When you acknowledge him, he acknowledges you. God, this, I don't know about you, but this gives me great comfort because occasionally I do this. I don't do it all the time, but occasionally I confess and give, give God the glory and say, hey, you should come to church. Listen, when I confess or publicly decree that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you should come and be a part of it, I'm, it the Bible says that there's going to be an honor. I'm going to be there and there's going to be a bunch of angels. The idea is the angels are surrounding the throne of God and we're going to be at the right hand of God because of Jesus Christ. And when we publicly decree or declare that Jesus is Lord, then we get to be a part of that. And there's this reward, a blessing. There's this beautiful thing, not because we did anything, but we're just being obedient to who God is. Though we might suffer persecution or rejection, we are not to please man. You know, one of the struggles that we have in worship is people don't let loose in worship because they're worried about the person next to them. Oh, they're going to laugh if I get on my knees or they're going to laugh if I start dancing or laughing in the spirit of joy. So we just sit and we go, make me, uh, you guys do not want me to sing. But we're so worried about man. But here's what Paul writes. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the ap approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I'm a people pleaser. Any people pleaser in the house? Let's give it up. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> if I'm pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. That, that people pleasing needs to be washed free because it holds us back. But listen, I'm not here to please people. I'm to be, win the approval of God and, and then I'm then a, called a servant of God. The fear of public speaking is called glossophobia. The actual word glossae in the Greek means uh, tongue. So my fear of tongue. Remember when Moses was at the burning bush and he's like going, God, you can't send me. I'm a stutterer and I can't speak. And he, God's like, I got you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the words. It's not a big deal. And he's like, he's like four times. He's like, I can't do this. And finally God's like, okay, man, I'll send your brother. <laughs> and that's what like this church is. I, I'm the you know, make a lot of mistakes and then they send us an errand like Jeremy or Kim to speak and kind of clean up my mess all the time. But we have this fear of like struggle, but re remember this, when you think about preaching and telling people and confessing about Christ, remember that everybody s struggles with it. You know, if we took a poll in here, I bet you 75%, the actual numbers in psychology would say 75% have a fear of public speaking. More than two or three, Negative. 75% would be terrified and just like absolve into the universe if they had to come up here. 
So we all have that struggle. Even myself, who I'm a people person, I love to talk to people, don't always say what God wants me to say and do what God, I struggle with it just like everybody else. So just know that we all struggle, but practice and watch it work for you. The second fear is being denied. I don't want to be denied anything. I want yes 24-7. Yep, 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 yep. That's all I want to hear. But I was in sales and they taught me it's nope, nope, nope. (laughs) And for a softy like me that's a people person, every no was just crushing. It was terrible. But here's what it says. But anyone who denies me on earth will be denied before God's angels. There's beauty in God. I love the beautiful thing about God. He's just. You know what just is? He brings justice. For those that are good, he rewards. For those that are bad, he denies. And, and, and the thing is, most of the time, that's not on earth. That's only in heaven that we'll see that complete justice play out. For some, we will see it play out on earth, but most of the time, it will only be in heaven. So there's honorable blessings for the faithful that publicly decree and declare, but there's also a penalty that says, well, if you're going to deny me, how can I bring you into the kingdom of God? Ultimately, it's denied and disgraced before the throne room because you're basically denying him publicly on earth. And there's only so long that can, there's only so much can happen. But here's what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say he denies me in their heart and in their mind. He's talking about this public decree. He says, no, it's before other people, this declaration of Christ. Do you realize how critical and, uh, the declaration of Christ is? You know how crucial it is to, to your faith that you start talking and declaring and decreeing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he's the power in my life? It's, it's vital to the church and to your walk with Christ. If you want to be a disciple and if you want to buy in, you have to start telling people, I love Jesus and I believe in him and I'm going to serve him and I'm going to go to church on Sunday and give him everything I got. I think I just channeled Kim Rodriguez right there. For many, though, this is the hardest thing to do. Even though it's a central part of Christianity, it's the hardest thing to do because the enemy has created this rejection thing so big in our lives that we're so afraid of man that we will do anything and we will even kind of deny God and stop uh, confessing and giving God all the glory. And he's giving us a warning, a harbinger of sorts saying, hey, stop. Remember last week he says, fear God who has the power to kill you, then throw you into hell. That's the one that we should fear, not the person next to you, not the worker or the person at school, not the person at church, not the person in Starbucks, not the person at home that's casting you down. It's the one that we're to fear is fear God. Now, Jesus says this at the pinnacle of his popularity. You remember the popular people at school? Do you know where they're at now? They're still in their garage partying. (laughs) Welcome if you're online. (laughs) Jesus is saying not popular is not what he wants. Jesus never came to earth to be popular. Jesus came to earth to be savior. 
He wasn't worried. He was speaking to the 12, even though there were thousands around him. It'd be me, like me preaching to the band going, come on, you guys. I know you've got it. I know you're going to get it. And it's not about being popular. I got my back to those that are popular. Jesus was popular. But he was more interested in being savior, fully trusted, fully confessed, and fully believed in saying that he is the Lord and that that's our purpose is to fully invest in who Jesus Christ is and it's vital to our walk. That brings me to the point of committing the unforgivable sin, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked about this in our youth group on Friday night, that fireside we were talking about, because some of the kids don't know, and maybe you guys don't know. Maybe I've done this, and maybe I'm already denied, and maybe I'm rejected, and maybe I'm never going to get into the heaven. And there's a lot of stuff. We could do a three- or four-part sermon on this. But here's what it says. I love this. It says, anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. Interesting. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. The first part refers to a moment of weakness where we constantly reject Christ. But even then, it can be forgiven. The Friday when COVID started, I think it was March 11, 2020, I was playing golf with my friend Ben and Don, and we were talking on the golf course. Hey, I need to go see my friend Tony. And Don, who's sitting here, me and Don went to go see Tony. Now, I've known Tony for years, 17, 18 years, 19 years, and we played golf many times, and we've uh, had lunch and dinner. I've been to his house, and I've been to his family's house. I mean, I've just been a part of Tony's life, and every time I was like, Tony saw me go from a, a, a junkie or an addict or an alcoholic to in ministry. He's been there, saw all this, but he's like, man, that's cool, but that's not the God that I serve. That's not the God that I know. Your God is cool, but it's not my God. Well, this one day, we felt like, man, we should go. And so Don's like, let's go. And so we got in the car and we went. And Tony was on his deathbed in his house right down the street here. And we walk in and his family's there. And um, he sees me. And, he, I mean, he's dying. And I, I give him the hug and it was the strongest weak hug I've ever had. And then I said, Tony, are you ready to accept Jesus Christ now? And he said, in the, the weakest, strongest voice I've ever heard, I don't even know if anybody else heard, he said, yes. And after years and years of denying publicly that Jesus isn't my Lord, at the very last moment, two hours before he died, he publicly declared Jesus is Lord, and God forgave all those times he said no for the one time that he said yes. That's what that verse is talking about. You can go all your life saying, nah, that Jesus is a fool. And one day at the very end, that last breath says, I'll take you, Lord. And you know what? God says, today you're joining me in paradise. Amen. But, and there's always a but. Anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Let me tell you a little bit about this story. Jesus explains this in Matthew chapter 12. He's healed this 
demon-possessed blind person in Matthew chapter 12. He's healed this person, and now the the people around him and the leaders of the Jewish uh, law are there, and here's what they say, Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard about this miracle, this demon-possessed blind man now being free, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons, because he gets the power from Satan, the prince of demons. And that was the grave mistake. He says the power doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy. It comes from the devil. It's a difference. And Jesus then says, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And Satan is, Satan is casting out Satan and he is dividing and fighting against himself. It's not going to happen. It says the kingdom will not survive. You ever seen a family crumble? That's why we divorce all the time because we don't have a mediator. And the family crumbles. But Christ becomes our mediator. In my marriage, I've got Christ, and he mediates our struggles and our trials and our marriage, and he points out where we're wrong, and we also see it in, in relationships as well. In John chapter 15, 26, the Holy Spirit's main ministry, Jesus says is in red letters, he says, to testify about Jesus. It's like the Holy Spirit is here to speak about me, that I am the door, I am the gateway, I'm the way of, and, and the truth and light. I'm the way that you get to heaven. The Holy Spirit's job is to testify about who Jesus is. That same Holy Spirit was then that's here today is testifying this to be true in your own life. So the question is, why is this a sin against the Holy Spirit and not Jesus? That's the question that we need to answer and wrestle with. Well, the sin was against the Holy Spirit because it was by the power of the Spirit that Jesus performed healings and miracles. Jesus was 100% man on earth and 100% God, but he uses the same Holy Spirit while he was on earth, the same that we can have to set free and bring miracles to light and so that's the power that that Jesus does does miracles and we have that same power in this room flowing amongst us right now and for Jesus these Pharisees these religious leaders of today and back then put the final nail in the coffin with this final rejection saying this healing is from Satan it's not from God and Jesus is like that's enough he can't say my power, God's power, this spirit, this entity is, is not of God. And it's like, you can curse at me, you can yell at me, you can call me a false prophet, you can even try and kill me, but when you talk about my father and his power, that's enough and that's gonna take you right into hell. So Jesus says, calling out my father's spirit, evil, it's unforgivable. When you see something amazing happen and you call that evil, it's unforgivable. And here's what happens. In Matthew 13, we see Jesus switch teaching because now he knows there's a bunch of Pharisees that are calling him stuff evil. He starts doing what we call in theology the parabolic discourse. You start seeing him teaching parables. That's all it means. And he says, the Holy Spirit will then guide you as I teach him parables. That's why we teach him at church all the time. The blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, my friend, Dasek, uh, not my friend, uh, the, my commentary that I read a lot, David Guzik, he's a, a pastor, but he also writes a commentary. Here's what he says about it, and I think it's important that we read it. The blaspheme of the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, not because sin is too big for God to forgive, but it's because of an attitude of the heart that cares nothing for God's forgiveness. It's an attitude. 
It's a space in your heart that's just an attitude rejecting and pushing back. And the idea is the person has never wanted God's forgiveness because they want it their own way and not God's way. This ain't Burger King. They want forgiveness, but they want it on their own terms. And they want to be God, and they place themselves in God's roles. And that's what we see the Pharisee. They're placing themselves on the throne room and judgment seat of God. And that's only God's spot. It can't happen. Let's talk about this last part. It's the fear of sharing or being a vessel. That song we sang, being a vessel to live my life for the gospel. And when you are brought into trials and in synagogues before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the right time what needs to be said. You know, I, I was going through a lot of trials and uh, physical, real trials when I moved to Camarillo. I had to drive up quite frequently and my mama would go with me. And uh, my friend Jeffrey, I was talking to him on Wednesday, my friend Jeffrey many years ago said, hey man, when you go to court, open up the door and invite God in. And for the first three or four times, I didn't do that. And I'd just get creamed in court and I'd drive five hours home crying, just like God. And then one day I just pulled open the door and I said, get in there, God. And then I gave it a second or two and I walked in and then when I got to the court door, I opened up the door and I said, come on, God, be with me. And you know what? That was the first time I ever won the battle in court. And it's not like I won anything. I just wasn't guilty that day. We see this play out. When you go before someone in authority, government or wherever, we see this play out in Acts chapter six. There's this guy, Stephen, who was chosen to be one of the workers. There's the 12 apostles and then Stephen is to do some of the workers. He'd be a deacon or an elder possibly in, in today's church. But here's what it says. Stephen, a man full of grace, Acts chapter six, eight, full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among people with that same Holy Spirit that Jesus was, says, that's the power of God that we have here today. And he's brought before court because of those miracles. And then a little bit later in verse 16, he says, at this point, everybody in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became bright as an angel. Now he's in court, he's getting charged with blasphemy, he's getting charged with calling out God, and it says that he's in court and he's got God, he's invited a man, he's opened the door, and it says he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the whole place saw him shine. And then in the next chapter, Acts chapter 7, he addresses the council and he starts speaking. He's shining with the glory of God on him and he says this. They say, the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Do you really believe in this Jesus that says in three days this temple will be torn and then in three days it will be rebuilt? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord above all and that he is the one true God? And Stephen, filled in the Holy Spirit, then goes on for 53 verses explaining the gospel message to the high court. All done by the Holy Spirit. And you know how they received it? At the very end, they stoned him. Here's what it says. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand and that's where we will be when we declare him out loud. And he said, 
And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He's in this place of no fear of rejection, no fear of confession, and no fear of death. Whatever's going to happen to him, he knows that the Holy Spirit's got him. And if this is God's will, this is God's will. So be it. I'm living for the kingdom of God. I'm fully sold into what God is doing in my life. And then he stoned, and it says the Apostle Paul's there, holding jackets, basically saying, yeah, get him. Do you guys know that stoning still occur? I actually saved you uh, some glory, of, uh, some, some gore by not giving you all the pictures, but this is one that's been promoted recently, recently in the last few years. And I saved you some pictures they usually dig a hole, put you in it, bury you back up. But the question is not to scare you. The question is, would you be stoned for your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would anybody in your town know that you confess Jesus and declare him and decree him over everything else? Would they knock on your door and say, bury him and let's get him? Bury her and let's get her. Would they know his words and their actions? Words are cheap. But are your actions following Jesus? Would they actually pull you out and you would be like Stephen looking to heaven saying, receive me, Lord. Because I promise you, if you did, you would see the heavens open just like Stephen did. And I know this is an awkward ending. But God uses people. And we've got to do church differently. He's using us, people, broken and burdened to accomplish his purposes. This is it. Look around for a second. He's using you. Yeah, and that person next to you, it's incredible. The enemy enemy wants us stuck in fear, fear of rejection. But Jesus Christ wants to set someone free today. Is that you? The enemy wants us to live in hypocrisy. That's the first few verses. The enemy wants us to live in fear of man, not fear of God. The enemy wants us to live in rejection and live in unforgiveness. I'm not going to forgive. They haven't forgiven me. I'm going to live in rejection and I'm going to live in a spirit of unforgiveness. But God sent his son to set us free so that we don't live in rejection. We don't live as hypocrites. We don't live in rejection of, of who God is. We live for the glory of Jesus Christ. To be set free of that spirit of rejection, God's forgiveness comes into your heart. Then God's acceptance becomes part of who you are. You are no longer an orphan spirit. You are accepted and adopted and declared a a child of God. And you have authority and power as Jesus did by that same Holy Spirit. And then the way that you no longer live like that orphan spirit rejected, you let the love of God just dwell in you right now. You guys feel that? It's the power of God's spirit. And it's right here, right now. And all you have to say is yes and amen to it. 
And all you have to say is yes and amen. And I will receive the love and I will be set free. And I no longer need to live the life of fear. I can live the life of faith and glory because I'm forgiven. I'm accepted and I'm loved by the most high God. Let me get out of here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. We do it. We do it. Our purpose is to please God, not people. And right now, He alone examines our heart. Do you know He's looking at your heart right now? And last week, I asked for buy-in. And my friend texted me online, I'm doing it. And there was about 10 people on their knees. And I'm asking for buy-in again. We can't just keep doing church the same way. We can't just sing a few songs. We can't just listen to a message. We can't throw a few bucks in the offering and think that's enough. There's more and God wants to do more in your life. Are you, will, are you willing? Let's stand up and worship and give God the glory and watch this freedom reign in this place. And all you have to do is say yes and amen. So let's do that right now.